Hi, I'm Jamin Brazil, and you're listening to the Happy Market Research Podcast. My guest today is Iris Yim, Principal and Chief Strategist at Sparkle Insights. Founded in 2015, Sparkle Insights is a full-service research and strategy firm with extensive experience in insight development for Fortune 500 companies. Iris, thank you very much for joining me on the Happy Market Research Podcast today. Uh, thank you. Yeah, happy to be here. Today, almost everyone has taken surveys, but did you know that SurveyMonkey offers complete solutions for professional market researchers? In addition to flexible surveys, their global audience panel, and research services, SurveyMonkey just launched a fast and easy way to collect market research feedback with seven new expert solutions for concept and creative testing. With built-in customizable methodology, AI-powered insights, and industry benchmarking, you can get feedback on your idea from your target market in a presentation-ready format. Oh, and by the way, in as little as an hour. For more information on SurveyMonkey's market research solutions, please visit surveymonkey.com slash market research. That's surveymonkey.com slash market research. Support for the Happy Market Research Podcast comes from FuelCycle. This episode is brought to you by FuelCycle Ignition. Ignition is the agile insights platform that enables leaders and their teams to improve product, brand, customer, and employee experiences with no insights experience required. With FC Live virtual focus groups and interviews, an ad effectiveness solution, and survey automation capabilities, FuelCycle Ignition offers the only all-in-one Agile Insights ecosystem for supercharging the relationship between brands and their customers, and serves the world's most innovative brands, including Google, Hulu, Tufts Health Plan, Kahart, and more. To learn how Ignition can take your research to the next level, visit fuelcycle.com. Can you give us a little bit of context about yourself? Tell us about your parents and what they did and how they informed what you do today. Okay, so um, I am originally from Taiwan. I've been in the U.S. since 2000. Um, my father is an artist based in Taipei, Taiwan. He practices you know, classical old masters oil paintings, like the ones that you would see in the museum. And the mother, my mother is a housewife. And both of them, they are very open-minded. And I should say, I'm very lucky. They never impose their opinions on me. And I have had the luxury to make all major life decisions, such as college major, you know, graduate studies and marriage by myself, which is quite unusual for um, an Asian family. So I majored in foreign literatures and languages in college, decided to pursue graduate studies in the U.S., and I'm married, I think my husband is from Denmark. So all these decisions resulted in what I do today. And I uh, live and breathe different cultures, both professionally as a market research, because I specialize in multicultural research, and also in my personal life. A Dane, that's a, that's a big, so like the Vikings. Uh, yes, <laughs> the Vikings. <laughs> and he teaches Asian studies at UNC Chapel Hill. And yeah, and that's why we ended up here in uh, North Carolina. Oh, that's so funny. So so he teaches Asian studies. And then that's such an interesting kind of way of being able to uh, have a full cultural immersion because he has like really informed, I should say, point of view. What were some of the key challenges with 
creating an integrated relationship coming from very different cultures? I think, first of all, with children's education, right? Like, what language should you speak at home? I think that fortunately, you know, we are in agreement on, on this one. We speak Mandarin 100% at home. Um, my, my husband speaks fluent Mandarin. That's awesome. <laughs> um, so, and, and, and I know, and I know that, you know, there are, you know, interracial, intercultural couples that, you know, each of them, you know, they're from a different country, their native language just, you know, are different. And so then their children, you know, do not learn either language and they speak English at home, which is fine. But I sometimes, you know, hear, you know, um, from my friends, you know, who are in similar situations that they kind of feel that, you know, it's pity that their children do not pick up any, you know, of the languages. That's super cool. So and you have two children yeah. for audience. I imagine that's been something that's like carried over into into them as well, right? So you have this. So my, my wife's fluent in Spanish. We speak a little bit of Spanish in the in the house. It's much more like a Spanglish sort of <laughs> um, <laughs> way of communicating. And our, but our kids are like, I don't know. We don't speak any Spanish. <laughs> very little, very little <laughs> well, Spanish. It's a, um, it's a decision that you have to make. Yeah. So we we uh, made that decision. You know, we do it um, on, on purpose. And they were only exposed to mandarins the first three years of their their life. But, and then we started sending them out to a regular yeah. <laughs> preschool where they learned to speak English. But yeah, before they turned three, it was all Mandarin. Your parents, are they are they still in Taiwan? Yes, they are still in Taiwan and my in-laws are in Denmark. So our international travel is either going to Taiwan or going to Denmark. Both spectacular places. Well, tell, give us a little bit of context, Sparkle Insights. What What is that business? Well, um, like I said, you know, it's about multicultural research. And personally, I've been doing this, you know, for close to um, two decades. So, um, yeah, Sparkle Insight is a boutique multicultural research consultancy. And we like to say that we translate, you know, the voice of consumers and cultural insights to help companies communicate effectively and authentically. This is really important for companies that are operating at a global scale, but it's also actually really important for companies that are operating just in North America alone, because there's lots of different cultures that are rep represented here. Your customers, are they limited to Fortune 500? Or I could see this like your business branching out to even supporting other agencies. Correct. So yeah, it's actually um, a mix of you know Fortune 500 companies. Usually, you know, larger companies they um, are more likely to, um, I would say, make investment in um, multicultural insights and multicultural marketing. You know that they they have more, more resources you know um, for this. And also, we support you know, multicultural advertising agencies. And sometimes, you know, we will partner with general market research companies. You know, on the multicultural portion of a project. Do you have an example of project that you were brought in on that could have gone badly if they wouldn't have had the voice of multicultural impact in the room? Could have gone bad. Um, I am. I kind of used a lot of words not... on that. I used a lot of words on that question. Basically, what I'm what I'm trying to ask is, or curious about, do you have a like a practical example of a time that? Like messaging may have been misunderstood by a specific ethnicity, but you know that didn't happen because you were brought in. Um, you know what? I 
I'm pretty lucky in that, you know, the companies, you know, clients that we work with, that, you know, they have been doing multicultural marketing for a while. So they're, so they're pretty, they're pretty astute. savvy, yeah. you know, in including, you know, the uh, multicultural consumers' voice, you know, early on. But I think it just depends, you know, so, and I found it interesting that, you know, multicultural marketing, you know, has been, you know, um, practiced for, you know, for a while, when, you know, started, you know, in the 1980s, you know, became very popular in the, um, since 2000, right? So, but to this day, you know, that there are companies, they are, you know, at different points, you know, on the spectrum of, you know, um, multicultural, there are companies, they're, they're still, you know, thinking about us, still want to, you know, thinking about getting involved and there are companies, you know, they have evolved from segmented, you know, marketing to, you know, total market. And of course, you know, different companies, they have different models, <laughs> different interpretations for total market. The companies that, you know, that, that I work with, you know, they, they tend to be, you know, I think either corporate clients or agencies, you know, they tend to have been involved in multicultural marketing for a long time. Got it. Do you have a favorite story or project that you might be able to reference? Obviously, you can't disclose the company uh, where they employed the insights and had a successful launch or application of the insights. Yeah. So um, I think um, one example I can I can think of is that you know there's one global uh, company that you know we um, recently conducted a a project for them and they are working on um, refreshing their uh, master brand, the positioning for their um, master brand for the U.S. business, and they are working with a general market you know consultancy on building you know that master brand, and we were brought. In to conduct a multicultural research for that project. And so we, we were able to add, you know, voices from Hispanic, African-American and Asian-American consumers to that process, which, you know, I think that, you know, it's great because, you know, what they think about incorporating, you know, these consumers' voices early on when they are, you know, building the master brand yeah but refreshing it um, not a lot of companies you know would take this step um, which is very important you know a lot of times you know um, multicultural research or marketing you know is an afterthought you know that we are brought in you know in the execution phase yeah I so my favorite example is Chevy launched Nova. Uh, you might remember the um, right. automobile, right? And because they didn't incorporate multicultural research, they missed the fact when they rolled out to Mexico that Nova means no go, of course, as everybody knows. And that's a really bad name. It's a terrible name for an automobile. And, you know, their sales short term suffered from that. So like the need and importance of thinking about, you know, the brand and how it would be perceived and how you talk about it at a multicultural level is, is vital. And that needs to happen very, very far upstream. Right. Well, I mean, I can think of another example that, you know, if the client had um, or, or the brand, you know, had done some minimal research to like a safety check, you know, it would have um, helped them avoid costly, you know, consequences. Um, have you heard about the um, Dolce Gabbana's, you know, chopstick? No, um, I haven't. Oh, so so that happened in um, 2018, and this happened um, in China. You know, Dutch and Gabbana, they um, they had an, an ad. It was you know 
pulled uh, and they apologize for it, you know, later. And it features, you know, a Chinese woman using chopsticks trying to eat Italian food. But she, you know, appears to be very clumsy in the act and couldn't pick up the, the food. And there's the voiceovers that is it too big for you that you cannot, you know, use chopsticks to, to pick up the, the Italian food. So it was, you know, very um, condescending. And I cannot understand that, you know, they would create such an ad and air it in um, in China. And you could imagine the reactions you know, from Chinese consumers. They ended up having to cancel a show in Shanghai because of that. And their sales suffered in China, you know, in, in 2019, you know, that there were other factors. But yeah, it was an example, uh, I think, um, a good example that, you, you know, you should, you know, build in, you know, cultural sensitivity, you should con- conduct safety checks before, you know, launching any campaigns. Yeah. So safety checks, I completely agree with. I've not heard that framework, but I really like it. The other thing is just the importance of having a diverse team that is subsequently doing the, well, really at the highest levels, huh? Because that would ensure that those kinds of mistakes don't necessarily happen or are less likely to happen. When you think about consumer insights, what is the role of diversity in research? And I'd like that to be framed really in context of the team that is doing the research. Okay, so I think that, you know, in general, it's a good practice to have a diverse team because, you know, team members with different upbringing, different cultural backgrounds, they can bring different perspectives. But when it comes to market research, I think ideally, if you could, you know, have somebody, you know, who has the same cultural background, you know, um, similar to the research target audience, that would be ideal. But obviously, you know, companies would, no research companies would have, I guess, researchers of all types of cultural backgrounds on staff. And in that case, it's not uncommon, you know, for consultancies and research companies to bring in consultants, you know, on a project basis to help them out, which is fine. I think the key is that to remember to um, have somebody who is familiar with the culture, you know, to provide insights, to um, review research documents, and to help you, you know, fill in the gaps, you know, interpret the, um, the differences you know, the, the numbers. In my research practice, you know, I frequently work with researchers, you know, of Hispanic, of African-American, you know, of different Asian culture backgrounds. You know, although I myself, I am, you know, of Asian background, but, you know, when it comes to Asian Americans, it's a very diverse community. You know, there are a bunch of different cultures in it, you know, Chinese, Filipino, Indian, Vietnamese, you know, so, and I I'm frequently, you know, work with uh, researchers of uh, different you know, uh, cultural backgrounds, and I would, you know, um, have them review the report, you know, review research documents, I ask them a, a bunch of questions. And although I myself have been, you know, in multicultural research for many years, and each time, you know, I would always get some insights from just talking to my partners, that I, I always learn something new, I, I could always, you know, bring more depth more richer insights to the report for the client. Do you think the role of diversity is increasing in importance at a thinking about at a you know brand level, whether it's marketing or branding or however it is that they're like framing their go to market and voice? I think that, you know, it has become, you know, more important because when, for one thing, you know, we all know that the um, demographic of the, the U.S., you know, have become um, more diverse and marketing needs to reflect that, right? So in order to, for your 
campaigns to to reflect that you know diversity in the changing demographics you know to in order for your communication to be more authentic i think you you know your team needs to reflect that diversity as well yeah and i also my my hunch is that because we there is no like North America only brand, right? So in, the right. Uh, internet has completely democratized access to everybody, and or mostly. And in, in this real world where so much of our time globally is spent on social media, you know, that the voice becomes very, very important that you use to communicate because, I mean, you have highly, you know, successful and sophisticated brands that are making big mistakes publicly now. And, and so it, it feels to me like we're at this, we've hit this spot where it's just unacceptable for brands to not incorporate a global point of view on how their message is going to be received. Uh, yeah, I, I totally, you know, agree with you because we live in an era of globalization. Right? And right. There's you know, fluid national borders and you will never know, you know. You know, a piece of communication, a video, a tweet will, you know, end up somewhere and have unintended consequences. What is one recommendation you would give me, a podcaster in market research, to be able to add more value to consumer insight professionals relative to, well, uh, you know, multicultural topics? Have you done episodes for specific segments? For example, Hispanic Research, African-American research, LGBT, Asian-American. I don't know whether there's a segment called, I think, maybe not. I That's a really... Disabled. Yeah, that's a... <laughs> I, I'm thinking about another word. There must be um, another word for, for that. Yeah, I'm with you. It's funny, too, like just understanding what the nomenclature is that's appropriate, because that has had some level of evolution over my lifetime. That's a whole nother topic. Sometimes I'll have a conversation with people and different ethnicities, and I don't actually know how to reference them so that it's not potentially offensive. It's funny, on this podcast right now, I'm literally afraid about disclosing that I grew up in a very rural environment. So my parents were small farmers. My grandparents were small farmers. In fact, in World War II, when the U.S. created the Japanese internment camps, my grandparents they were Scottish, so but some of the neighboring farms were owned by Japanese Americans, and those farmers were thrown into camps. and And my right. grandfather helped create a I don't know what the right word is group a coalition that of other farmers that actually took care of those people's farms so that when they were Aww. released, they were having active farms. They weren't just like dead properties. Wow. And then subsequently, after the World War II was over, he was the first to import milking cows to um, Japan to help with a reestablishing of their economic base, which is, you know, this really fun, like, story I never get to tell. But, okay, so I'm saying that to say that, you know, I didn't grow up in, like, in a place that was, you know, there was this, like... KKK mentality. Okay, oh. so it was like we're very <laughs> very rare, right? That's very rare. Today, okay, good. So right? that I'm saying that because I I want you to understand the intent of what I'm going to try to communicate, which is, you know, I thought the term and the way I was raised, and I hope this doesn't offend you, uh, Oriental was a correct way to frame people in the, of the Asian culture, and it turns out it's very offensive, and I didn't find that out until <laughs> my. Until my friend, my best friend at the time, Jamie, and still Jamie Plunkett, he was dating a woman 
who and from Stanford, she was Mushu artist. Anyway, and so I, I, I said that word and she goes, I'm not a rug. And I had no, I didn't even know how to respond to that because I just didn't like, right? So <laughs> I didn't even realize that. It's I, not your fault, but, but okay. Okay. So don't worry. I'm not offended. And also there's, I think, difference between foreign born and U.S. born um, Asian Americans. So like I said, you know, I didn't grow up in the U.S. And I'm not that sensitive to, I guess, terms like that. And uh, because for me, that there's like no negative you know, connotations. I, I'm also interesting that although I'm in um, multicultural research, personally, because I didn't grow up here, I'm not that sensitive to racial divides and racial issues. Yeah, super. That's really interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because. Because, you know, I grew up in a, like a one race, you know, environment. For me, you know, somebody from the U.S., whether this person is white or black or brown, whatever color, his or she is American. Right. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and, 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 um, and Yeah, so, so, so for me, you know, there are no, you know, Hmm, what I say, I, I'm a little bit colorblind in this sense. Anyway. Yeah. I, I, so I see, I like to think of myself in the same way. I do think it's one directional. So for example, what I mean by that is I think that I, I might perceive everybody as the same, but like at my CrossFit gym, there's only one African-American guy. Right. And so I'm, I imagine like his point of view is probably different coming from the other direction, right? As the yep, only person. I, I, I understand. Right. And that's yep. and that's where I, I feel like there's a conversation that I want to be able to have. Like, do I how do I re- reference you to you? But yet there's this like fear that holds me back of saying, you know, dang, I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to no. do I don't want to do <laughs> yeah, but, 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 but you know, I, I know that Asian American is the right word. <laughs> <laughs> Although for me it's like it's Asian, rather, you know, ironic because that there's no Asian. There's Chinese, Korean, you know, right. Vietnamese. Um, that, that there's no Asian. What do you mean by Asian anyway? <laughs> so it took me, took me a long time to embrace the term Asian American because, well, I'm a U.S. citizen, but because of my, you know, upbringing, my experience, I do not identify with the term Asian. Like I said, there's no Asian. And I, I was not born here, so I'm not before I became a right. US citizen. I'm not American. Right. So Asian American for me didn't exist <laughs> anyway. All right. Last question. What is your personal motto? My personal motto is uh, live and learn. Um, that's why I love the market research profession. And I learn about any product category, uh, new cultural insights from partnerships with clients, agencies, and other research companies. And I always learn something new from each project. My guest today has been Iris Yim, Principal and Chief Strategist at Sparkle Insights. Thank you, Iris, so much for joining me on the Happy Market Research Podcast. Well, thank you, Jeremy. This has been fun. It has been a joy on my part, too. I appreciate you like going easy on me. Everybody else, I hope that you have a wonderful rest of your day. As always, share, tweet, LinkedIn. I love you. Have a great rest of your day.